back, baby. Welcome to episode 16. 16. That sounds right. 16. Just shout out to me for never knowing what episode we're on. Makes a very good host. But this is episode 16 of The Bentley Show. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as far as um, like big news, not our most eventful episode, but as far as just like like quantity, not necessarily quality, uh, but like quantity-wise, there is quite a bit to talk about across all four of these teams. I'd say this is one of the most, again, quantity-wise, this is probably one of the most um, uh, full episodes we've ever had. Uh, to be completely honest, the Tigers have played three spring training games as I, is, I am recording this after the Yankees game on Friday, March 5th, 2021. So uh, we have three games to cover. Um, then the Pistons, we have some games. We got triple-double frenzy, triple-double fever that the Pistons have. Uh, as far as Blake Griffin was bought out today. Then the Wings, we have the Svechnikov Bowl, which looked horrible, and then some trade rumors. And then the Lions have reconstructed the contract of Jamie Collins and parted ways with Desmond Trufant in an attempt to make their cap situation a little better. So we have quite a bit to go over today is basically what I'm saying. I am your host, Scott Bentley. This is The Bentley Show. Let's get right into her, huh? Let's get right into her. The Detroit Tigers have played three games, count them, three, since we last spoke. Uh, one against the Philadelphia Phillies, one against the Toronto Blue Jays, who I'm not sure are playing in Toronto this year, and one against the New York baseball Yankees. So, the Detroit Tigers, again, win and loss does not matter, but we went 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Because ties are a thing uh, in uh, in spring training, right? We can just be like, hey, no, <laughs> we're not playing anymore. So that is what happened. Um, some interesting stories to look after. Um, some interesting pitching stories, some interesting hitting stories, interesting all around. Okay, so... Four starters. Uh, Jake Rogers continues to not really know how to hit a baseball. Um, he made solid contact with one, but it was a routine flyout that just happened to get lost in the sun by the outfielder, fell in for a double. That's his her first hit of the spring. So uh, that that backup catcher situation is not necessarily looking. Uh, super ideal, I guess I would say. It's not looking uh, extremely promising um, for him, that is. Uh, however, his competition is Grayson Griner, um, Garneau, and Eric Haas. So, like, it's not like there's really any ringers there competing with him. But uh, offensively, he just continues to, to 
sadly, disappoint is the right word. Like he just continues to to massively underperform and, and really struggle offensively. And it, it's just, it, it kills me, man. It kills me. Um, any other stories from the Phillies game? Oh, well, the big one, uh, Matt. Well, first off, how ridiculous is it that we are a rebuilding team? All we have to look forward to is our prospects. The one time a year the prospects play at the major league level is spring. And we're just going to televise freaking none of them. Great job, MLB. This sport never ceases to amaze me with how horrible it markets itself. Seriously. Between blackout restrictions and, and now like three quarters of the spring games just aren't televised. Unless you're the Yankees. The Yankees get every single one of their games not only televised, but te televised nationally. You can watch a spring training Yankees game at any from anywhere in the country. Every single one. Um, it's absurd. It's absurd. It's frustrating. It's ridiculous. It pisses me off. Um, it, it should not be a thing. So, Matt Manning did make his debut. Now, there's no footage. We have no idea how he looked from close up. There's some cell phone footage from the upper bowl. You can look at his mechanics a little bit, I guess. But as far as how the pitches look, you re there's really no footage of anything. So, all we have is the stat sheet. But, that being said, the stat sheet looks damn good. Matt Manning goes two innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, one strikeout on just 25 pitches in two innings as well. Um, from all accounts of beat writers and stuff that were actually present and could see it live, he looked fantastic. Um, the fastball uh, set around the mid-90s, it sounds like, for, uh, for the outing. Um, now he's, you know, at, at full health and, and full stretched outness. Uh, he can hit, you know, 98, 99, even, even a hundred. Um, so the, but it's his first outing of the spring, first outing of the spring. Everybody takes a little bit to warm up. Nobody comes out throwing their full velo on their first spring training appearance, no matter if you're Garrett Cole or, or Matt Manning. So that is a good sign. Mid nineties, uh, apparently the curveball was as advertised that's been one of the most highly advertised pitches in in our whole system the the Manning curveball and the my splitter have been talked about since these dudes were drafted um so that's always and and, and also very very uh good um and, and it was you know in the third and fifth innings of a spring training game so it wasn't against the best of the best but I don't really care he looked really good um supposedly again uh he looked fantastic so we'll take that we'll take that all day I really want him to get into a game that's actually televised but apparently unless we're playing the Yankees that's just not gonna happen so I it really pisses me off and, and rubs me the wrong way but we will see we will see won't we won't we um that's really it from the Phillies game this one wasn't too terribly eventful uh Isak Paredes Made his spring debut, went one for two with an RBI. And the other one he got out on was a pretty hard hit ball, apparently. Uh, Kristen Stewart, 0 for 2 with two Ks. Uh, Willie Castro draws a walk, but makes an error. Um, Spencer Torkelson strikes out. 
So, yeah, kind of across the board. Riley Green, 0 for 2 with a walk. Not not a bad showing. 4 to 2 final. Nothing nothing really fantastic either way. No really huge standouts besides Manning. Um, but nobody looked unbelievably terrible, really, except for the obvious people like Kristen Stewart and such. Uh, so let's move on to the Toronto Blue Jays game in which the final score was 8-2 to two for your Detroit baseball Tigers. Um, to talk about in this game, first off, this is Turnbull Day, okay? Now, I know... That's obviously what I'm going to talk about for I, – I, oh, my gosh. Um, I love Spencer Turnbull. As people who follow me on Twitter are very aware. I think he has the potential to be a top 20 pitcher in baseball, and I've been advertising that campaign all offseason. So, needless to say, his first appearance of the spring was definitely one I had my eye on, but it, well, we didn't play the Yankees, so it wasn't televised. Uh, ridiculous, man. Um, so Spencer Turnbull, uh, had a very Spencer Turnbull start. Um, the, the stuff has never been a problem, right? Like the, the stuff has, has quite literally never been an issue. Uh, he has an incredible slider, good movement on his two seam, solid velocity on the two seam. He, he's got good stuff, a good change up, but the thing that has always been Spencer Turnbull's downfall has been his command. He walks a ton of people. Uh, he kind of always has ha walked a ton of people and it's translated into the first half of seasons. He is very good. Um, because uh, whether it's stamina or focus or whatever, his first halves are very good. His second halves are very poor. Uh, and, and his command starts to waver as the season goes on. So this was a very Spencer Turnbull start. I, I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'll admit it. You know what I mean? Uh, two innings pitched, four hits, two runs, one walk, but still three strikeouts on 40 pitches. That's that's the 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 what stereo most stereotypical Turnbull start like ever <laughs> four hits and and a walk right five base runners in two innings but three K's in two innings right so uh the stuff again this is all reportedly because there's no video because the MLB's dumb reportedly the stuff looked fantastic everyone raved about the slider as well uh the velocity was fine um, but command, command continues to be a problem for him. And that'll be something that him and Fetter have to work on. And, and, and he just has to work on, on his own. Um, and, and I continue, I will hold the belief that if he can get it under control, if he can, if he can become a guy that, that can even have average command with how good his stuff is, man, he, he's going to be a really good pitcher. So the campaign continues. I'm not one of these people that's going to ridiculously overreact to the first appearance of, uh, of spring training. That's absolutely absurd and ridiculous. So Spencer Turnbull, still very much Spencer Turnbull, I guess is what I have to say. 
Um, Paredes had another hit in this game. Miggy gets on the board, has a has a nice double in this game, an RBI double. Nico Goodrum with two walks. Zach Short got hit in the head this game. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's fine. I haven't really heard a follow-up report, but that was a scary moment. Um, yeah, Greg Garcia. This is the game Jake Rogers just had a ball. Absolute, the most lucky hit of all time, but it's his first hit of the spring. Um, and then Derek Hill actually got an RBI single, which is almost, it's probably honestly more impressive or, or more rare of an accomplishment than the Jake Rogers hit. So, uh, yeah, besides that, uh, Akil Badu, well, we're going to talk about him, uh, to wrap up the segment. Actually, he's probably the biggest story in camp so far. And then Joe Jimenez as Chris Castellani, my brother calls him briefcase Joe came out, uh, and actually had a, uh, one, two, three, 10 pitch inning with one strikeout. So. That is, um, that was the Blue Jays game. Um, yeah, so uh, again, all like Grayson Griner still, yeah, that's about it. Okay, then this game, the Yankees game, the game that's actually was televised. Um, one to one final, whatever, uh, <laughs> whatever, man tie games are, are ridiculous, but it's spring. I, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, Grayson Griner got a hit Christmas miracle. Um, Spencer Torkelson had three at bats. He had a strikeout in his first at bat struck out looking. And then, uh, his, his next two at bats, he had two ground balls to third one was kind of a routine ground ball to third, and then one was really hit very hard, but it was just right at the third baseman. Uh, so he's still looking for his first hit of spring training, but it's so fun to get to get to watch him. You know what I mean? Oh, it's so fun just to just to watch him at the plate. Um, so Spencer Torkelson, now Riley Green was kind of irrelevant this game. Made a bad play in right field. Uh, as well as 0 for 1 with a slow dribbler um, to shortstop. And then he got hit by a pitch, I think, in his second at-bat. Um, okay, pitching. Matt Boyd started. Matt Boyd started. Big story. Matt Boyd changes his release point. There's a uh, stat that was going around, um, or a graph, rather, that, that showed his exact release point last year and then his exact release point this year. He almost was a, a borderline side armor last year. N not not at a complete 90-degree plane, but uh, he was getting really close at times. His, his release point was very consistently uh, uh, low and, and close to that 90-degree that plane, um, whereas, or I guess maybe 180-degree plane. You get what I'm saying. Um, but... The, uh, today he, so it'd be one thing if he had just like a couple, like a couple, like if it was inconsistent, like if he had a couple throws where it's like, Oh, that's weird. He's a few inches higher. And then he went back to what he normally does. His entire outing, he pitched from this new arm slot that was noticeably like three or four inches higher 
than uh from an angle wise uh than than he when we're used to and then he did all of last year so that's the chris fetter difference and he looked pretty good he had some command issues with the fastball two innings no hits no runs two walks one strikeout he had some command issues he went deep into counts in the first inning he couldn't really finish people off uh he'd get people to two strikes uh, i think he got everybody to two strikes except for stanton he walked four one but everybody else, I'm pretty sure he got the two strikes and then just couldn't finish them off. And he either led it for a, a ball put in play that got uh, that was an out, right? Fly out, ground out, or it was um, a walk. So the one strikeout was also beautiful. You can check it out on my Twitter. Um, that it was a nasty slider on a full count. Absolutely nasty pitch. Beautiful location. Beautiful everything. It was executed perfectly. So I'm really excited about this new arm slot thing. I think that this is some like say what you will about Matt Boyd. The first half of 2019, he was lethal. So if we can get that production back, we we have an asset then. Whether it's tradable, whether it's hold on, whether it's I don't care. Having assets is how you win. So at least he gives us something. He hasn't even been that since the All Star break of 2019. So. We'll figure out what to do with them later. Let's focus on just improving first. Um, the the It's great. It's great to see. I think it'll really help with the change-up specifically. That new arm slot coming coming from higher on change-ups helps a lot more than coming from the side if you're a starter. So I, I think that will help a lot for the change. Um, and, and maybe a lot for everything. Uh, I mean, honestly, it might just help all around. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on and definitely something that I'm really excited for about Boyd. Uh, Brian Garcia had the most Brian Garcia start of all time. He goes one inning, two hits, no strikeouts, but doesn't give up any runs. Um, that's just, that's just Brian Garcia. <laughs> he, he doesn't strike anybody out, but he's a one inning reliever. It's mind boggling. I don't know how he continues to do it. I don't think it's sustainable, but we'll see. Had some kids pitch late. We only gave up one run, and that was a Tyler Alexander gave up a, a home run that barely got over the wall to Glaber Torres, uh, and I think in the fifth inning. So we also played a full nine, which is kind of exciting. First time we've done that all spring. Um, the uh, let's see. Okay, so then offensively, uh, the the big story right now is Akil Badu. Okay, we'll end on this for the Tigs. Akil Badu was our rule five pick. Okay. He is younger, uh, outfielder and has been incredible so far in the spring. There's really no other way to put it. Now you can art like small sample size is definitely true. All this stuff is, is, is all these concerns are definitely true. Okay. Um, it's, it's absolutely fair I get it's spring training it's not against the best it's a small sample size etc but regardless of all that the fact of the matter is he has been unbelievable he's OPSing over a thousand right now he's slugging like 500 with a 500 OBP and we're six games into spring um he he's been incredible speed hit he can he hits the ball hard so far too like it's not like it's not like Babbitt at bats, like a lot that Willie Castro had last year, where it's just kind of like falls in somewhere. Like he's really hitting the ball incredibly hard. Uh, he looks great. So the outfield situation we're in, 
This is this is the problem. Okay? The problem we're having is that Grossman is a lock, Jacoby's a lock, Victor Reyes is a lock, and presumably Nomar Mazzara is a lock. Okay? So, the question is, where does Akil Badu fit into all of this? Do we hold on? We have an extra roster spot now. Do we just have five outfielders? Maybe. Maybe. Or does, like, Nomar, is now he in competition with Nobar? And now maybe Nomar Mazzara isn't as much of a lock as we thought? Maybe. Do we work out a deal with the Twins? Because, like, rule five pick, if they don't make your roster and they get sent back to the Twins, they or their original team, every, every rule five that doesn't pan out goes to the Twins. Um, so they go back to their original team. I'm doing it again. I can't speak. I'm going to get mad. But the, uh, silver lining is, is you can trade with said original team. And then he's just part of your organization. So you can be like, Hey, um, I know that we poached him from you in the rule five, whatever, we want to keep him, but he's not a major league player yet. Let's work out a deal. I'll give you X amount of cash, or I'll give you some like D-level prospect, and we can just swap prospects and whatever. You know what I mean? So that that could be a thing, too. And then he could start in double or triple A if we don't have a major league roster spot for him. You also have to look at his past. It's not like, like he was a Rule 5 pick. Like Rule 5 picks are Rule 5 picks for a reason. He, he did not hit well at even the low levels of the minors. Um, this isn't some like a plus potential dude that we found. Like he is a rule five pick for a reason. So you got to keep that in mind. I think that what will likely happen is he will start off in the minors. We'll work out a deal with the twins. He'll start off in double or triple a, um, and then for depth reasons, injury, whatever, whatever situations arise because plenty will because plenty always do. Uh, he will be like one of the first people called up if, if an injury happens or if we need depth for a doubleheader or whatever. So I think he's going to be up a lot, but I'm not sure he makes the opening day roster. Regardless, fascinating story. All right, that'll do it for the Detroit Tigers. Let's move on to the Detroit basketball Pistons. Since the last time we spoke, they have played two games, one against the Lebronto Raptors and another one against the uh, the New York Knickerbockers. So, for starters, let's start with the Raptors game. What I mean, let's get something straight. They This team had no one. This Raptors team had literally no one on it. <laughs> okay. Um, that, like... Everyone was out for the Toronto Raptors. This this was not a this was not a full rostered, full healthy Toronto team. There there was like half this team's roster was out. They were playing nobody, and we put up 130 points on them and, and crushed them, which is I mean good. You know that's something we probably should have done. Literally, no one's playing for the Raptors, but just tame your excitement, I guess I'll say. Um, but everyone snapped. Every, like everybody had an amazing game. Uh, Svee had 17 and four on over 50% shooting from the field and from three. 
Plumlee had another triple-double on 50% shooting, 14, 11, and 10. Dennis Smith Jr., stay solid, okay? Triple-double, 10, 12, 11, 3 of 9 shooting, but 2 of 5 from 3. Dennis Smith Jr., baby. What a great game. Uh, Wayne Ellington with 25 on 8 of 11 shooting, and all shot attempts were three-pointers. That's awesome. We're trying to get a second-round pick for you, bro. Keep balling. Uh, Sadiq Bey was fine. Seku in almost 30 minutes had nine points, one board, and one assist. 0 of 4 from 3. Not fantastic, but his cutting is still very, very good. It's just a matter of uh, tightening up the ball. Handling is a big one for him, honestly. And then uh, shooting, getting that, that consistent shot down is another big one. Saban Lee, 20 Seven and four on eight of 11 shooting. The man, Saban Lee. Beef with six, six, and two. And then out of nowhere, Rodney Magruder with 20 points, three boards, and five assists. Absolutely incredible game. There's honestly not even a ton to talk about. Like, it's awesome that we won. It's a sick game. Everybody looked really, really good. But there's not even, like, a ton to really break down. Like, this Raptors team was depleted. We should have won. We did win. Let's move on. Okay? Not not a whole lot. To, Josh Jackson didn't play. I guess that's really the only other note. Um, just realized that Raptors team, that was, a, that was basically a G League team. Like, that was just not, that was just not a, a, a very good basketball team. Okay. Then the New York Knickerbockers. We drop that one 114 to 104. This one, there was a lot more to talk about. Uh, we played like a real team. So like that obviously helps <laughs> as far as like, you know, that. Uh, however, there was still some bright spots. Um Mason Plumley with a double double and four assists. Dennis Smith Jr. with 12, 2, and 2, 5 of 9 shooting. He looked okay. Um the the whole the team as a whole just just offensively was not really clicking. It was one of those games where we scored 104 points, but you kind of looked at the scoreboard at the end of the game and you were like, I did, did not feel like we scored 104 points. You know what I mean? Like it was just it was kind of a, a stagnant uh I don't even know how to word it. Like just stagnant, a lot of ISO stuff, a lot of just moving around. I don't know. Um, it, it, it did not feel like we even scored 104. It was, it was a pretty sloppy offensive game for the most part. Uh, Josh Jackson and Jeremy Grant did not play yet again. Uh, Svi had 10 points. Sorry, not Svi. Svi had 11 points. Uh, got the start again. Wayne Ellington with 17 points, 4 of 10 from 3. Just keep pulling trig, bro. Again, we're trying to get a second-round pick for you. Saban Lee with 5, 3, and 3, 1, 5 shooting. Isaiah Stewart with 10, 4, and 1, uh, 5 of 6 from the field. Also, I forgot to mention, Beef in the uh, in the Raptors game had an insane block. You should go look that up if you haven't seen it already. Ridiculous block. His presence is felt out there, man. Even if, he, even if his stat sheet isn't the prettiest. His, his presence is felt without a doubt in my mind. Ronnie Magruder with 13 points. <laughs> I, 
another just random guy stepping up and, and for this team, which is beautiful, awesome to see. And Seku with 10-1-0. and zero. Uh, This, like I said, this game offensively was super weird. It, it was just an ugly offensive game. Stagnant. Nobody really knew what play. I mean, they obviously did, but it didn't look like they really had a clear plan or, or a ton of plays that they knew were being ran. Just not, not, not the prettiest game in the world, to say the least. All right. Well, that brings us to the last order of business, which is Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin has officially, officially official. He has officially been bought out by the Detroit Basketball Pistons. All right. What does this mean? Well, it means that um, he's not on the team anymore. <laughs> okay. Basically, um, the, the dollar amount has not been revealed to the public yet. Uh, I will be all over that when it is available, as I'm sure information just moves so fast these days, as I'm sure as a listener, you probably already uh, know it as well. Maybe even by the time you're listening to this, who knows? So uh, the dollar amount hasn't been released, but basically he has, uh, he's due like 30 mil this full season, already half of that's been paid, obviously. Uh, and then on top of that, he has a player option for like damn near 40 mil next year. So I would imagine they agreed to a buyout. Blake didn't have a lot of leverage in this, uh, cause we just don't have to let him, like we don't have to buy him out. Right. So, um, I'm sure they, re- uh, agree to some figure in between, uh, his 30 mil salary and his like 70 that he's owed combining this year and next year, uh, somewhere in the middle there. And agreed to a deal. Uh, said, hey, we'll just give you this lump sum. You can go wherever you want. Uh, it already sounds like, you know, we, we could spend a lot of this segment talking about like, oh, you know, where could he end up? Where, where Where's Blake Griffin going? Where's a good fit? Let, let's talk about it. Well, uh, very anticlimactic because it really sounds like the Nets are already all but guaranteed. Uh, it sounds like Brooklyn is the absolute slam dunk. That's what it's going to be pick. Um, and uh, yeah. Look, I'm obviously devastated. Well, it's it's a yin-yang thing, right? Uh, he brought us so many good memories. He's the man who'll always be loved here. But at the same time, it's better for both parties, honestly, that that he moves on. And the cool thing is now, because he just got paid, like, what's probably going to be 40 to $50 million, just lump sum, he can go sign a base-level, tiny-ass, mid-level exception, $100 million, $100 million, geez, $1 million, rather, dollar contract, right? And, and go play wherever he wants, because he, he is... <laughs> His paycheck doesn't really matter when he just got 40 mil in a lump. So, Brooklyn sounds like the team. It already sounded like Brooklyn was the uh, heavy favorite and has been for a minute now. Then you add on top of that the fact that right after he was bought out today, literally every owner 
not every owner. That's an exaggeration. There was an article that came out that said a lot of owners and GMs and front offices have already relayed that Blake to uh, the Nets is pretty much all but finalized, and nobody even really thinks uh, that there's a chance of it going another direction. So Blake to the Nets seems all but official. Uh, hopefully saying that doesn't bite me in the ass come the weekend, but honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if by Monday, even maybe by tonight, by the time you're listening to this, hell, uh, if he was a Brooklyn net, it would not surprise me whatsoever at all. Even a little bit, some other figure of speech at all. All right. Last thing with the Pistons, people have been complaining that we won a game, uh, we still have the second worst record in the NBA. We are 10 and 26. The Minnesota Timberwolves are 7 and 29. They are three games. That's three games ahead, which is a pretty solid lead, I will admit. Uh, and then the third worst team in the NBA is the Houston Rockets, who are on a fat ass losing streak, and are 11 and 23, which is not exactly one game. It's one win less, or one win more. Sorry. Uh, but we have played more games than them. So that's that doesn't equate to only one game back because we have uh, several more games played than them. Uh, so something to keep an eye out for. No, I don't think we're winning too much. We also, when was the last time? Oh, I don't want to say this off the top of my head. I'd have to think about it. But the first place team, the team with the highest odds to get the number one overall pick, doesn't have a really spotless track record of necessarily doing so. You know what I mean? So, uh, if we get in that top three, I will be happy, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Anything can happen on lotto night, as we should know best. I mean, we have literally never moved up in the lottery in the history of our <laughs> of our beautiful franchise. All right. I think that's it for the Detroit Basketball Pistons. Blake Griffin brought, bought out triple-double frenzy, one in one week. Jeremy Grant hasn't played, got robbed of an all-star appearance. Uh, yeah, I think they'll do it. So, Blake Griffin, obviously, wishing him nothing but the best. It sounds like with the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets, try not to steal all of the Detroit Pistons players challenge 2021. All right. Let's move on to the Detroit hockey Red Wings. The big story. Uh, outside of the Blake news, this was probably the biggest story of the week in this city, to be honest with you. Um, just a, a fun little game. Fun little brother matchup. We're, of course, talking about Mark and Jordan Stahl, everybody. Got to play against each other. No, I'm just playing. Um, that did happen, though, and I love that nobody brought it up. Right? Like, the Stahl brothers played against each other, and nobody gave a shit. <laughs> And, like, it's not the first time they've played against each other, right? So, like, I, I understand why, and I'm not saying that it's even wrong. Uh, but I just think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious that the Stahl brothers also played against each other this game, and literally no one could have given less of a shit. I thought that was absolutely hysterical and incredible. But, obviously, the big game, the, the Svechnikov Bowl, the Sveshnikov Bowl, the, the Carolina Hurricanes against the Detroit Red Wings, the two Svechnikov brothers going at it. First time they've ever played against each other at the NHL level, so super cool moment. Obviously, um, not 
super old. Not vet, it's not like they're the Stahl brothers, right? They're not they're not veterans of the sport, so that makes sense as to why it's the first time. But cool moment, right? Super cool moment. They got their picture taken before the game and everything. Yada yada. It was super cool, super cool, super cool. Um, the Hurricanes retros are sick, by the way, and ours suck. Our reverse retros are the worst things I've ever seen. Um, also, I'm going to plug this every single time we talk about the Red Wings. I'm going to say, if you want more in-depth and more lengthy Red Wings analysis, check out Locked on Red Wings. I am a co-host there with Ethan Smith and Nolan Bianchi. The three of us break down the Red Wings. It's a five-day-a-week podcast. Um, where it's just the Red Wings. So if you want more in-depth Red Wings news, be sure to check us out over there. But for now, you're already here. Let's finish the segment, right? Uh, So this was a really ugly game. This was a really ugly game. This team looked terrible. This is another one of those situations where you're like, hey, man, uh, the fact that this was only a three-goal game is kind of a miracle. Uh, let's talk about all the ugly before we talk about the good, because the good was really good, but there's a way more ugly. Brome only playing nine minutes frustrates me to all hell, especially when you the time on ice. So I'm not going to go too in depth on it here because we went super in depth on it on Lockdown Red Wings. Uh, we we had a pretty good debate back and forth about it. Um, Ethan and and Nolan especially. I got into it a little bit <laughs> talking about this, but the big debate is how much do you play the kids, right? How many minutes do you play these kids? Um, I think Ethan and I both kind of agreed with the sentiment of it's ridiculous that Sam Gagne is getting almost 20 minutes a night. That's absolutely ignorant. That is absurd, especially when you have people like Brome. You have people like Zadina who we'll get to. Uh, we're sending, we sent down Giovanni Smith, but like people like him, he was only getting nine, 10 minutes a night when he was up. Sam Gagne getting 20 minutes is, is, well, he got 18 and a half minutes. This game is, is ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. Um, and I think that it's dumb and shouldn't happen anymore. That being said, it's also not realistic to just be like, Hey, you have to literally call up all the prospects as well. You know what I mean? You, you have to find a happy medium there. I don't think we're doing a very good job because I don't think Blashill is very good at his job. Uh, however, the debate basically, and we came to this conclusion on, on locked on wings, the, the conclusion basically becomes, would you rather the kids play? Cause Blashill's clearly shown he's not playing the kids like 20 night, 20 minutes a night. That's just not going to happen. So would you rather the kids played nine to 10 at the NHL level or damn near 21 in Grand Rapids? That's basically what you have to ask yourself. And that really, for a lot of people, just comes down to a matter of personal um, personal opinion on how you think players uh, progress, right? And that's a debate we're having in all four of these sports right now. Pistons Twitter talks about this every time anyone checks into a game, right? It's been all we've talking about, all we've been talking about all year is Casey's rotations and how the Seku isn't playing and all this and that. You know what I mean? Like this this is not just a Red Wing center debate. This is a this is a citywide, honestly, debate. So it, it can be subjective. It doesn't have to be an objective. This is the right or wrong answer. 
However, it's definitely a discussion that needs to be had because look, man, at, at some point we're going to have to go all in or all out of one direction. Like, like, and I understand what Giovanni Smith, we did. And I hated the decision. We went the, I, I would, Giovanni Smith is weird because he was playing productive minutes at the NHL level. He clearly was not a fringe guy. I would have liked to see him, see him get his minutes bumped up at the NHL level. Instead, he's getting a ton of ice time down in Grand Rapids, which, again, I'd rather have that than him get like nine minutes at the NHL level. I guess I, I, I concede that. It's just the it, it's it has to be addressed because it's all over the map. We have Sam Gagne playing 18 and a half. Nemestikov with 16. Sveshnikov with, with only 11. Zadina ended up with 17 minutes of ice time. He had 15 and then played, I think, like damn near the entire final two minutes, which is great, but he only plays the final two minutes in blowout games. He literally, like, I am begging for Zadina to play crunch time, clutch, final two minute hockey moments. But no, he either doesn't play the last two minutes or he plays the last two minutes in an absolute blowout. He's Darko. He's the victory cigar. And that's so insulting to Philip Zanina. But while we're on the topic, let's talk about him. Had an absolutely incredible night. Six shots, two goals. His expected goal percentage, which is one of those new advanced stats that I'm trying to to submerge myself more in. I'm a super big uh, advanced stat nerd when it comes to baseball and basketball, so I'm trying to get more, uh, submerge myself more into the hockey advanced analytics because I think it's fascinating. Uh, his expected goal percentage versus his actual goal percentage was a huge difference. His actual goal percentage based on how many, it's just shots versus goals, right, was very low. So uh, that would point you in the direction that he's just been unlucky. Finally, he broke the seal tonight. Two goals, both of them absolutely beautiful. One right over the blocker, uh, which was incredible. Uh, Ethan on Lockdown Wings pointed out that he thinks that that's how he's going to score a majority of his goals. A majority of Zadina's goals in his career will probably be those kind of over the over the blocker, over the pad uh, kind of shuffle shots, and it was beautiful. So I have no complaints. As long as it finds the back of the net, he can do whatever the hell he wants. I don't really care. But the second goal was unbelievable. Top shelf where mama keeps the peanut butter. Okay. Absolutely phenomenal. Had a, had a nice little crease shot. Turned around too, heading the other direction. Kind of spun around. Did a 180 kind of thing. Snipe Sally right over the right shoulder of the goalie. Absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal play. He looked incredible. Sniper Zadina was out today, and that's that's amazing. He also, like, I mean, he had six shots. He, he tied the team in shots as well, which is obviously fantastic. The fact that he can have two goals by himself instead of a plus-minus of zero is very encouraging, which is very much sarcasm, if you couldn't tell. Um, the, the other thing, let's go back to ice time. I know, I know, I know we talk about it a lot, but Luke Lendenning. One of the the biggest trade pieces we have, trying to show him off, right? Trying to get other teams interested. Only had 13 minutes and 46 seconds of ice time. And for the 
for the first time in a while, went under 50% in face-off wins. He went uh, 6 of, what, 6 of 13 in face-offs, uh, 1. Look, man, uh, again, I get it. We got to find a happy medium. We can go more in-depth another day. Or if you want to go just listen to an immediate full in-depth breakdown, go to Lockdown Red Wings. But he is one of your biggest trade pieces. You have to put him on the ice. I don't care. I don't care. We suck. We're going to suck. You have to play the trade pieces. We can debate the young kids. Should they get playing time? Should the veterans play more? Blah, blah, blah. We can debate that until we're red in the face. The trade pieces, the people were trying to raise their value and move, you have to play. It just seems like there's a massive disconnect to me between Blaschel and Iserman when it comes to the plan on the ice versus the plan in the front office. And I am begging that Jeff – look, he won't be. Blaschel is definitely going to get canned at the end of the season. I'm not worried that – that there's any possibility that he doesn't. I'm really not worried about that at all. However, a little part of me is worried just because of how bad he is. We have to, man. We have to. You have to play these guys more. You have to play Glenn Denning more. As weird as it sounds, you have to play Mark Stahl more. Now, if he's getting lit up, pull him. Glenn Denning was not getting lit up. You got to play the trade pieces, man. God. Got to play the trade pieces. All right. I think that'll do it for the Detroit Hockey Red Wings. Let's get in to the Detroit Football Lions. Uh, interesting. Um, interesting last couple of days. We've been talking about on this show and just publicly. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people in the Twitter sphere has been talking about it as well. I know a lot of people have actually. Um, a lot of salary cap maneuvering has to be done. This team is over the cap and bad. That's not a good recipe for success. That's not. That's not how any rebuilding team wants to be. No rebuilding team wants wants to not only suck but also be over the salary cap. That is very much not the point of a rebuilding team. Okay. So we've been, we've been new. We've been new that a lot of, a lot of changes and a lot of cuts and, and such were going to have to uh, occur to get this team uh, in, in a position to, to actually be able to rebuild. Um, you don't want to go into the off season with no money either. Uh, really just out of principle. I mean, this team was so unbelievably horrible last year. I should say this defense. I will, I will. I'm not. You know, we won five games. This this defense was so unbelievably horrible last year. Okay. That you you can't just go into the offseason with no money and just copy paste last year's team and give that to Dan Campbell's first team. You can rebuild, and, and you can give them a shit roster, which he probably will not have a very good roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, there, there is some nice pieces on offense, which, you know, we everybody knows who those people are. Um, Swift, Hawk, and Galladay. Um, but you, 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 
You can't look. You can give him a shit defense. You can even give him a, a lot of returning people. You have to give him some new pieces. You cannot just turn the the new regime, the new front, the new complete new, the new coaching staff. You can't just hand him the keys and be like, figure it out. I know we couldn't last year. We haven't been able to for the last five years, but you're gonna just figure it out, okay? You you have to you have to give him something. So it's very important that we go into this offseason with some cap, okay, uh, so that we can add. And this is the story with all these rebuilding teams in this city right now. I don't want 32-year-old cornerbacks getting signed. That's stupid. But if you are going in with cap and a under-the-radar younger guy that you think you could develop, you have a really good defensive uh, secondary developer in Glenn at, at DC now, if you want to go in, to next this 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 coming free agency, right? Those are the kind of moves you have to make. Cheap young people, and if they don't develop, whatever, no skin off their back because it's cheap. If they do develop, you look like a genius. Those are the kind of moves that the Tigers are making. Not very smart ones, but still, that's what they're trying to do. That's the kind of move the Pistons have been making for years now. That's the kind of moves the Red Wings made this offseason. That's everybody. Everybody in this city. Just copy and paste all the other three teams, okay? And obviously, some teams do it better than other. Alavila's terrible at his job. However, that's the kind of mindset you have to go in with. Young young people that I, I would rather have a young, unproven player than a – on a rebuilding team, this is. This is not always – in, at the current state of this team, I would rather we acquired a young, cheap player than an established, like, like average to slightly above average veteran that's, like, pushing 30. There's no point. We're not going to compete this year. Odds are pretty damn good we're not competing next year. Why are we wasting money on people like that? Now, fill your holes. Don't be stupid. Don't just leave a bunch of holes on the defense and just say, oh, well... We didn't want to sign anyone. Obviously, if worse comes to worse, fill some holes. But as a whole, I just love the word hole today, apparently. As a whole, you have to sign young people that you can control and that you can develop. And again, if you don't develop them, who freaking cares? You're going to suck anyway. It didn't work out. It didn't cost you very much money. On to the next. Count your losses and move on. So, with that all being said, we cut Desmond Trufant which opens up quite a bit of cap, uh, quite a bit of, of I want to say cap space. I don't know. I just, I feel like ca the word cap has such a different meaning nowadays than it like ever has that I feel weird just saying like, like, oh, we have to go in with all this cap. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like I should probably say cap room. Um, so Desmond Trufant, one of the big ones, um, cut sadly. This is just a testament to how bad this team is. Sadly, uh, not <laughs> one of our, one of our best defensive backs <laughs> this past year. Again, that's a testament to just how terrible this defense was. But sadly, he he truly was one of the one of our best defensive backs, and he was not good at all. Not he had a couple nice moments, but injuries and just 
not being that good. This defense is terrible. So, comparatively, he was fine. Anyway, stop rambling. So, Desmond Trufant's gone. That opens up some immediate cap space. Good, great, awesome. Then on top of that, we find earlier today, earlier this afternoon, uh, Friday afternoon, I should say, because I don't know what time you're listening. Early on Friday afternoon, March 5th, we find out that Jamie Collins, his contract will be restructured. Um, he has $9 million due this year. That is not being touched. He's getting that $9 mil, But the following, and his cap space, the amount of, of cap space he is worth is slightly different than his exact salary. So his cap space is projected to go down a ton after this buyout. Or not buyout. After this restructure, I should say. His, his cap hit should go down a ton after this. He's going to get his 9 mil this year. He's gonna. It's going to be fine. But the cap hit going forward for Jamie Collins should drop an inc- like millions and millions of dollars. Like an incredible uh, amount. So that is... That's, Obviously, music to everybody's ears. Um, if if that might even help us trade him, you know what I mean? Like being able to to say, hey, and maybe maybe that was our negotiation tactic. Maybe Holmes walked up to him and his agent and said, "Look, man, nobody's gonna want you with this current cap hit. But if you restructure your deal, you're gonna get a little less AAV. However, a contender might actually want you now. We can get you out of this rebuilding situation. Maybe that was maybe that was the tactic." Maybe, maybe that was the technique. Regardless, Jamie Collins' contract restructures. So between those two, we're finally working our way and heading in the right direction of, A, just being under the cap, period. No, current, no new projection is out at the time that I'm recording this, so I don't know for a fact if those two things alone put us under. But regardless, we're heading in the right direction because we were well over, which for a team... <laughs> That is as 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 bad as this one is going to be this upcoming season is, is pretty unbelievable. It's really just a testament to how horrible the last regime was and just how much Jared Goff's getting paid. But that is uh, two great, great uh, decisions. And like I said, man, like the true font one, whatever, like, again, I'm not going to lose sleep over Desmond Trufant. Um the Jamie Collins one's really interesting. I think, you know, what's my favorite word? We love to talk about avenues. I think that that opens a ton of avenues. I think that you are now looking at a guy who, A, his cap hits just lower in general. So if by some miracle you are competitive, great. Now you have a, a, a player at his production that's way cheaper. But on top of that, you make it, A, if he just sucks, you can cut him. If he's just absolutely terrible, you're going to say, screw it. We'll buy you out. We'll cut you. Your cap hits way lower now. Bada bing, bada boom. See, uh, you're probably going to go to Green Bay and be great against us. Then the third avenue is, okay, he, does re- he plays really good football. We suck. And now his AAV, his cap hit per year is so much easier to move that we can move him to a contender and maybe even get some assets out of him. All three avenues are significantly more beneficial than just holding on to him with the current way his contract was constructed. So, a win, 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 win. However many wins you want, that's how many we took, okay? 
Great decision by Holmes. Great decision by the front office. And honestly, from from the player's perspective, probably a great decision by him too. Obviously, I, you know, you, you want to make as much money as possible, and I love to see players get paid. But in a salary cap sport, if the total amount of money is going to be the same anyway, and you're just restructuring the AAV and the cap hit, and on top of that, you have a chance to go to a contender if you play good football, why not, man? Why not? You're still going to be making millions and you have a chance to go play for an actual competitive team instead of this rebuilding franchise who's been rebuilding for... No, I'm not going to say that. that. That's a boomer, casual, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just want to hate the lines and it's my personality take. The, oh, you've been rebuilding for 50 years. Yeah, man, for sure. That's why we made two playoffs appearances in the 2010s. All right. I think that'll do it. I think that's it. For, a, for an eventful show, man. Like I said, this is this is one of the more eventful episodes. Not Again, not necessarily by quality, by size of any of the moves, but by quantity. Uh, there was a very obvious story for all four teams. And that's maybe the first time that that's ever happened since I started doing this, to be completely buck with you. I'm not sure I've ever had an easier episode when it came to planning what I wanted to talk about. Tigers played games. Pistons played games and bought out Blake. Red Wings played games and one of them was Fetchnikov and ice time is blatant. Um, and then the Lions with uh, with their roster moves and the salary cap. I think that this might have been the easiest planning I've ever had. It was just like there was no like, huh, what should I talk about today with the easiest day maybe I've had yet when it comes to across all four teams and talking about. So that's awesome. All right. That'll do it for the Detroit Football Lions, which means that'll do it for the Bentley Show. Thank you so much for continuing to support, continue to listen. Shout out to Lockdown Red Wings. As always, go check us out over there. Um, and as always, check out the Back Judge podcast. Those guys are great. Read Diamond Digest. Diamond Digest, my, my family, my baseball family over there as baseball season gets into full swing. Follow them on Twitter as well. I, my personal, everybody that's there is great and knows so much about baseball. Um, but uh, my Detroit Tigers full breakdown, it, it's like going to be a half hour read. It's so long. Full in-depth breakdown of our season preview is going to be coming out very shortly. So you can stay tuned to that as well for that reason. Um, who else do I want to plug? Oh, I was a guest on a baseball podcast as well. Uh, earlier this week, I believe the episode just came out on Friday. So that's super exciting. It is called View from the Bleachers. And I was the guest that uh, these three lovely men chose uh, to be the uh, to do their AL Central breakdown. They had a divisional breakdown. They do have an episode for each division. And they chose me to be the guest for the AL Central one. So go check that one out. You can hear my lovely voice on there as well. Talk about the Tigers and, and the rest of the divisional outlook. Um, bada bing, bada boom. I think that's it. Lockdown Network's great. Chris Castellani is Lockdown Tigers. Who else do I want to just plug for free? Jeez, I'm just a charity out here. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Peace and love. Going to therapy's good. Blah, blah, blah. Let's try that again. Peace and love. Go into therapy's dope. I'm not even going to cut that part. I'm just going to leave it in. Um, go to Detroit Sports, baby. Peace. Yeah.